Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Betfair's Wade In Podcast. It is Monday midday and I am, as always, with Kevin Blake, Brandon Duke and Tony Calvin to discuss all things horse racing from the last seven days. Before we go any further, Rachel Blackmore's Serial Winners Fund is up to 150000 courtesy of a few winners the week just gone. Obviously, Betfair adding 5K to a charity pot for the Irish Injured Jockeys and the English Jockeys and the Injured Jockeys Fund over here in England every time Rachel has a winner between... Betfair Chase Day and the National. And so the pot is rising all the time. 150k in there already. Well done, Rachel. Now we got some national hunt action to discuss. Thank God, because of course weather has been wreaking havoc on all the racing up and down the country and over in Ireland. And we'll be discussing mainly Lingfield, but some Irish action as well. We've also got footsteps to the festival and some news topics. So without further ado, quick check-in. Brendan Duke, you first, sir. How are you? Have you got a T-shirt under your shirt? Are you one of those people who wears a T-shirt under your shirt? Well, I just uh, adapt to the weather, uh, Vanessa. It, 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 it's, a, it's a bit nippy, and um, I suggested knocking the heating up one degree and was told, well, why don't you put a shirt, a T-shirt on under, under your shirt? Uh, perfectly logical. Perfectly how, how am I? I'm, I'm great, actually. I'm great. I, I had one of those life-affirming weekends because, Vanessa... I don't know about you, but as, as, as I get a bit older, I, I often wonder, will I become jaded and cynical and lose my sense of wonder? And there I was on Saturday, standing around a parade ring in Navan before the first race. No shock there, you may say. And in walks a giant of a man in jockey silks. And I wondered to myself, had a member of a stag party got lost? But no, indeed, Mr. T. Costello, all six foot four of them, not only rode in the race, but rode the winner. And then I happened to see him afterwards, uh, uh, walking out with his uh, j- jockey's bag and what have you. And he, the uncle has a fine head of hair on him. Now, Danny <laughs> Mullen's position as the number one barnet in racing is still secure. But I think we can introduce Mr. T. Costello into the top 10. Wow. Okay. Well, that's a great bit of paddock judge insight. That's what have you on for. But was his hair shiny, Brendan? That's what we really need to know. Yeah. Did, did he look like he needed a clip? It, 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 was, it, it was more, it, it was embryonic Danny Mullins. It was more bouffant. Is that is that a thing with hair? He, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great range. He's great got range a bit of bouffant, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, and I'm glad that you didn't put your thermostat up and you put an extra layer on. Although a t-shirt under a shirt is one of the icks for me, Kevin Blake. Oh, one cool. of many life icks. <laughs> I know. I just can't be having it. I just don't like it. Anyway, we've started off on dodgy footing here, Kev. How are you? Grand, yeah. Yeah, made it through the storm last night. No damage done, no trees down. And we had our first fall of the season, Vanessa, right bang in the middle of the storm. A storm baby, no less. Um, so oh. that that was grand. It's funny how that happens when when there's there's kind of mayhem outside. The horses will just find their little corners and and um, and uh, do their thing. So yeah, Philly fold by Persian force. There you go, off and running. We off and running. More falls hitting the ground now that the weather's warmed up a little bit. Last check in with UTC. Were you surprised Lingfield got the go ahead on Sunday? Um. Yeah. So was I. I thought you were like Mr. I think I felt that you were Mr. Negative on that. And then to be fair, if they had minus nine and minus seven to get that on, 
Um, and that, like I said, they, they seemed to be quite raceable on Saturday, which was amazing, really. Mm. No, exactly. Amazing indeed. But they got the meeting on, well, they got the third, well, the second and third day of the meeting on third day of the Winter Millions, obviously on the turf with the jump racing. And we got to see the Fleur de Lise chase, um, which was the highlight, really. It was an excellent day of racing, lots of drama which we'll get to in due course. But the Hon Press taking on Protectorat was really the headline act. That was what everyone was looking forward to. And the Hon Presse wins the Fleur de Lise from Protectorat, uh, kind of doing all his best work at the finish, really. It's now been cut from 14s to 9-1 to one for the Gold Cup. And I shall start with you here, TC. Um, do you think he is a worthy challenger to a Gold Cup? Do you see him stepping up in trip? Um... Yeah, I think so. Um, I think he's, I think he's like the nines and tens. I think he's back 12.5 on the exchange. And I can't see him really winning it because, you know, obviously he was getting, he was getting four pounds from a horse, five pounds, he's inferior. So he, he did what the form book suggested he should have done a bare minimum. But obviously that was his first start since unseating his, uh, his jockey in the King George a couple of years ago. So, yeah, they'll they'll be delighted, especially as the Venetia horses have been under a little bit of a cloud in 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 January. But uh, no, that was yeah, that was a very decent performance, and yeah, he fully deserves in a rate in a Gold Cup that lacks depth. He, he's got to be an each way contender. But will he be beating the top two in the market? The likes of Gallop into Champs and Fast or Slow, probably not. But you know, he's a Cheltenham Festival winner, Browns and. You know, he won a he won a Betfair rehearsal chase off 164. So yeah, he's he bang in the frame for third place, isn't he? I'm kind of quite positive on him, Brendan. I think he's gonna. My theory is he's gonna come on loads. He's mm -hmm. got the festival form in the book. We know he can mm -hmm. do it there. Um, I'm not worried about the trip for him. I don't think, and they're even thinking about squeezing another run into him to sort of just brush off that rustiness he showed at Lingfield. Uh, we might see him at Ascot. I, I think there's loads of positives to him. I'm being quite punchy about him. Right, well, I mean, behind Gallop and Deschamps, as, as as Tony mentioned, you're talking about faster, slow, Shishkin and Jerry Colombo. I think he, he fits in very much there. If those four horses ran in the Gold Cup, there wouldn't be much be, be, be between them, uh, in, in my opinion. I thought his jumping was particularly pinpoint when it mattered, uh, the last six or seven jumps of the race. And I thought he won snug, albeit in receipt of, of, of weight, as, as Tony mentioned. So, yeah, I mean, the busy man has been idle, but uh, injury enforced. There was nothing he could do about that. He's a very likeable horse, Cheltenham Festival winner. And if if for some reason Gallop and Deschamps fluffed his lines, he, he would definitely be a contender, yeah? And Kev, what about the side story of the owner, Andy Edwards, who just like adores the horse and is sort of speaks about racing and his horses in a bit of a different tone, different way to the way most pe uh, most owners talk about their horses. He's a breath of fresh air. I'm really enjoying the Lahan Press sort of revival. Yeah, that's that's a nice aspect of it. You you like to see people like that getting uh, real good ones. Um, look, Lahan Press at the start of the season was sort of my sneaky one for the Gold Cup. Um, yeah. And we've obviously had to wait. And he won at these terms. I was kind of hoping for a little bit better. And to be honest, if he's to go and be very competitive in the Gold Cup, um, he's gone and won. He was rusty early, um, jumping, lacked a bit of consistency, but but very much in fairness to him, warmed up and got better as the race went. 
and, and was ultimately well on top. You know, a bit of a mistake at the second last, but wasn't well timed, but he still got um, up and ultimately won quite well as the terms entitled him to do. Um, interesting that they're considering another run and I'd almost take encouragement from that because that suggests that they thought he was well short of where he needed to be because, you know, he's going to need to pull improvement from somewhere. And look, I'd be a believer that, that in this day and age, you don't get horses coming on a stone from their first run anymore, you know, with the way, with the way jumps horses are trained now. So, um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic of his gold cup prospects after that. But, um, Look at hopefully he stays right. He's a horse that has had a tendon problem in the past. So hopefully he bounced out of the race all good and we'll get to see him again before Cheltenham, maybe. Yeah, exactly. Fingers crossed. Um, another high class performance on the card, Brendan, was JPL one in the Lightning Novices chase. Um, avoided the mistakes that have kept him out of the winner's enclosure the last couple of runs, clear round of jumping, better round of jumping, and he's now been cut to 16 to 1 for the article from a big price of 50s, and he's also 14s for the grand annual. I mean do you realistic is he our, is he the UK's best Arkle chance at this stage? Is that what we've got oh, to find the flag for us? I would say I would say so. I thought he was going into the race. Um and um I know there was carnage at the first, which which ultimately helped him. But um uh, I mean he I, I think he is a proper horse, this um he obviously would have bolted up uh, over cor- over the Arkle course and distance in November. And I mean you say he jumped better on Saturday. Or on Sunday, should I should I say? But I I think he's jumped brilliant in all in, in all his wins, uh, in all his races this season. Should should I say? Just was struggling to get his landing gear out. That's what happened. He jumped the fence too well, arguably in Cheltenham. The second last in Sandown, when maybe the heavy ground was blunting his speed anyway. But again, just landed steeply. So 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 he's he's just learning uh, what to do there. There is a precedent. For a hundred and thirty odd rated hurdler turning into an Arkle winner, your beloved Edward Stone, and he is similar to Edward Stone in that sense that he's just a superb jumper of fences. I, I would say Marine Nacional has only had one go in fairness, but I'd say I'd be surprised if he isn't the best jumper in the Arkle. He's going to get a strong pace to aim at. He's going to get better ground, which will suit him. And then, so what? What? What, what have you got? I mean, you're you're looking. <laughs> Jesus, well, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not thinking about the. I, 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 I clearly think he's the, the best U, UK horse, but I mean, Hunter's Yarn, Ilete, Tom, Blood Destiny, Quixios, Facile Vega. I mean, they're not they're not an exceptional. I, 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 I don't want to get bogged down in this horse being a 130 rated hurdler because he, he, he I, I'd be surprised. He's definitely a 150 chaser, and it wouldn't chop me if he ended up be getting up to something in, in the 160s um, with, with, with the way he's progressing. I could certainly see him placing in an Arkle, and if for some reason something went wrong with Marine Nacional, perhaps perhaps you, it's, it's not a million he could win. Oh, do, do, you want to hear, do you want to hear a good story about this very briefly? Oh, my I- brother... My brother likes to uh, l- l- likes to vent. He rings me to vent. So he rings me after the race and he goes, absolute disgrace they ran there. And I was there, what do you mean? He said, I sent them an email. He sent an email to the Tizards and he said, listen, this horse is rated 145. Do not run him anywhere. He's immoral for the grand annual. Now, this was an email sent 
purely out of self-interest. I want to back him in the grand annual. Now, obviously, Tizard completely, he didn't get a reply, needless to say. Now, obviously, Tizard completely ignored the email, and rightly so, in my opinion. They picked up 43 grand there at the weekend. But the brothers' plan was to win the grand annual and then run in the Magull and entry where you wouldn't have the depth of, of, of Irish challenge in that. So it, it sort of made a bit of sense. But I applaud the Tizards picking up their 43 bags, having a, a, certainly a chance of placing in an arc, and they can still run them in the Magull, right? But uh, I also oh, hold, thought, on, hold on now, Brendan. Hold on now. Like if the, if the British handicapper doesn't go silly buggers here, like the plan might still work because like if you have if you have JPR one running to his mark at 145, like that, that that's fits like that puts the third the second three pounds below form it puts the third two pounds below form the four ten pounds below form <laughs> if the handicapper uses use a bit of common sense he'd leave him alone but he probably won't he'll probably stick no. him up to 155 he nah, he'll, he'll get 150 but i've got <laughs> why he's not justified <laughs> of course he is. He, he's beating a 147 horse off levels much more snugly than the half a length suggests I think no, he's a one four five horse. He's one fifty. <laughs> what the one fifty is fair, but Brendan, if you like JPR one, the sports book have got betting without in quite a lot of races. Nine to one JPR one without Marine Nationale. You like that? Yeah, yeah. No, I, I think he's gonna. I think he's gonna run a big race in the Arkle. I think everything's set up for a huge run that probably won't be good enough to beat Marine Nationale. But I think that's a very fair price. Yeah. Oh, just on the subject of is he the best English horse for the Arkle? Did, did I read or hear somewhere that Hiroko is recovering faster than than initially thought? Yeah, and could it potentially is, yeah. get back. We'll in the talk about him in the Turners a bit later. No, okay, there we go. Yeah, uh, yeah. Footsteps, the festival coming your way. Okay, so Brendan, pretty positive on JPL one. Then uh, other novice chasers to discuss: Manella Kakuna over in Ireland got back to winning ways after that Leopardstown site disappointment. Kev, he's got quite a deliberate way of jumping. I think he's he's quite slow from A to B over a fence. Um, yeah, I can see what you're saying, yeah, and the, the, the National Hunt Chase would, would appeal as being the one for him if you were to pick one, um, because that, his style of jumping would be least punished um, over that extreme trip, but um, does he have the class at this stage? He, like, he looked a really promising sort, in fairness, um, a few years ago, but he obviously did have some sort of an injury, um, missed over a year. And um, have either of his run since he come back confirmed that he's the same horse as he was when he left us? Um, I don't think so. Um, you'd like to see him again before Cheltenham, will we? Not sure. Um, so yeah, it did, did, didn't get me wildly excited, but it did seem to. Um, and I go, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be super harsh on his jumping, but I think that the National Hunt Chase would probably suit him. And that's Do you what think Parker there's any yes, eight sorry, sixteens, Brendan? Yes, uh, no, just very, very briefly. I saw he got a quote for the Ultima as well. Do you think Willie really might run something in the Ultima this year, if only to make it easier for Patrick? Because you've got <laughs> Nick Rocket, Embassy Gardens, and Meeting of the Waters. <laughs> will, he, will, will he run them all? I mean, they all look like legitimate contenders for that race. But would he say, "Well, that's a bit difficult for Patrick, so I'll run something in the Ultima"? Hmm. Possibility. I don't know if that's his style or not, but for the National Hunt Chase, Manel has been cut to eight to one from 16s. And for the Brown Advisory, a bigger price at 20s, as Kevin's outline kind of feels like the more extreme trip suits him and his way of going a bit better. Um, let's talk about a few other. Well, actually, TC, just a quick mention before we completely leave the Lingfield card behind. Um, the mayor's 
novice hurdle on the card saw Aston Martini and Ubeti go toe-to-toe and a reversal of the placings with Ubeti being given the win, just nudged out in the finish officially, but Aston Martini sort of came across her a little bit, gave her a bit of a nudge and Ubeti awarded the race. Were you surprised by that decision in the stewards room? Uh, not really, because I haven't watched the race. Great. <laughs> Excellent. So that is good. No, I, I thought it was the right decision, in fairness. It was completely avoidable what happened and um yeah it was the right decision they did the right thing yeah and aston martini has been introduced just for what it's worth in the mayor's novice at 33s uh off the back of that performance brendan what about some novice hurdle performances over in ireland high class hero has been cut predominantly for the albert bartlett to seven to one um off the back of his recent victory where does he sit in the sort of pecking order over there in Ireland? I mean, he's had a bit of a different path to these spring festivals, mm. that summer campaign, then a break, then coming back for this race. Where does he sort of, it's, it's a little bit different, his trajectory to everyone else's, I feel. Um, yes, but it, it, it's just the Irish novice hurdles as a running team through, through to the last few weeks. Uh, it's a mystery wrapped in a riddle. I don't think anyone has a clue the pecking order in Willie Mullins. Pecking, pecking order in the Irish novice hurdlers generally. I mean, in fairness to this horse, he just keeps winning. Couple of sketchy jumps. Uh, they, I suppose, with a view to the Albert Bartlett, I can definitely see that. I, I, that's a, that's an easier course. Less, less pressure on his jumping laid on. His stamina is still a question mark. I mean, that was two miles, six and a half. On, on, on Sunday, but they crawled around. So he hasn't proven his stamina, but I would lean towards the Albert Bartlett as well. But as for where, where he fits in, I've, I've no clue. Who knows? Um, what about Gordon's My Trump card? Another cut for the Albert Bartlett, bigger price though at 16s. Again, a little bit of a different campaign, started out in bumpers at the start of the season, up to hurdling now, shed his maiden tag at Navin. Um, are we in any way undervaluing him because of his sort of low start to the campaign? Um, okay. I you 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 would have to hope he's a bit better than he looked at Navin. Now he was in front oh. a long way out, and it's, it's possibly idled in front. But the second Doctor Eggman pulled its way around and booted the second last out of the way, and still got relatively close to him. It's possible my trump card was just doing enough. I'd say he'll definitely relish the three miles of the Albert Bartlett, but he's got a he's got a long way to go oh. in form. Okay, and then another, we're just rattling through a few performances here from Ireland before we get to Footsteps of the Festival. Harvard Guy deserves a mention, uh, just improving up through the handicap ranks, specifically at Navin and on Pretty Heavy Going, is up 20 plus pounds now, isn't it? When's he going to reach his ceiling? He's been cut for the Coral Cup and the Martin Pipe, 14s uh, and 12 to 1 for the Martin Pipe, Brendan. Yeah, uh, really likable attitude, really likable specimen as well. Big, strong horse. You'd imagine he, he, he'll make a chaser. They seem to believe, and th th those results would suggest, that would, would bear that out, that he, he wants deep ground. So I'd say there's a pretty good chance he won't go anywhere near Cheltenham. He'd probably get five or six pounds for that, so that'll have him up to 136, 137 in Ireland, so 140 low 140s in England. Um, I'd say he's probably capable of being competitive off that mark, but on the likely Cheltenham ground, I'd be surprised if he runs. 
Okay. And then because you mentioned him at the top of the show, Asian master with your tall jockey on, Mr. Costello. Uh, yeah. Used to 40 to 1 for the Supreme. And if we're on the sort of theme of, I don't know, horses with slightly different paths to get to these spring festivals, this lad's come a long way from being beaten in a hunter chase now in the Supreme market. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, 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 no a, a, a remarkable horse. Um, he's a, he doesn't make it easy on his jockey. And I thought, in fairness to Mr. T. Costello, scion of the Costello horse trading dynasty, I thought he looked relatively tidy. Now, relatively for a six foot four man, how tidy could he possibly look? But he had to pick up the stick to him. The horse is inclined to run keen in his races, so it wasn't easy for him. Uh, he's clearly he's clearly got a big engine, uh, better days ahead. Just that's twice now is checked out relatively tamely. I'd have question marks over the form. And obviously, with all due respect to Mr. Costello, if he was going to ride him in the Supreme, I'd say he'd have next to no chance. Oh, low blow for the good hair, tall man. Brendan, he gives with one hand and he takes away yeah. with the I other. Love, I, I absolutely love the young <laughs> I love that. You've got nice hair, but you can't ride in the Supreme. It's just like that. He, he, he's, he wouldn't be able to claim there'd be a big field against professional jockeys not giving him an inch. Just it'd be a massive, massive burden to overcome, even if the horse was good enough, which is unlikely. OK, Brendan, you have seriously sung for your supper there, rattling through all those performances for us. So gold star to Brendan Duke. Boys, the, the, both you, Kevin and Tony, have work to do on this show thus far. Uh, let's move on to Footsteps to the Festival. We're on week three of Footsteps to the Festival. So we're on day three of the festival, looking at the Turners, the Ryanair and the Stayers. Let's kick off with the Turners Novices Chase, where we've got red hot favourite here, Kev. Five to four, Gaelic Warrior. Uh, eight to one, Ile Francais. Ten to one, Fasal Vega. Ten to one, Grey Dawning. Twelves, Corbett's Cross. Twelves, fact to file. Um, Kev, I'm going to start with you here. Who is your idea of the winner of the Turners, or is it all aboard the favourite here? It's difficult, isn't it? Look, I, I was listening to Patrick on. Um might have been Sky Sports Racing and they, they were still kind of throwing ple allowing plenty of room for Wiggle with Gaelic Warrior in terms of what race he could go for um, you know I think they're just keeping options open just in case something funky happens you know if, obviously things the whole um, pieces on the puzzle would change for the Mullins team if for example you know Marine National bombed out in in, in a fortnight's time and the, the archaeologue of a sudden looked wide open um, but Gaelic Warrior so look we all know what the discussion is going to be about him Um he he looks the best horse in the race, but will his tendency to jump to his right um be you know, will, will it hold him back from showing that in, in a race like the Turners? Um we've discussed in recent weeks that that the new course um would probably be a help to him um in contrast to the old course. Um but look, the tendency is still there. There would have been a hope that it might be reduced um when he went over fences, but you, you can still see it. Um, even even going the other way around, you, you can still very much see it. So when he goes back the other way, it's probably going to be a thing. Um, but look, I really like his style. Lovely, low, aggressive jumper. Um, it's just that tendency to go out to his right that's going to be the, the subject of debate ongoing, I suspect. Yeah, and rightful debate. I think it's easy to see that he's class and that he jumps fast and slickly and all of that. But like 
they can have loads of talent, but if they're giving away a few lengths at every fence around Cheltenham, they're just not going to get away with that in a Turner's TC. So as a result, surely at the price that he is right now, we're looking elsewhere, surely. Yeah, the problem you've got is, it, look, if you find a runner here, you'll be on a value price, but it's finding the runners that is, oh, yeah. is the problem because you go through it all and there's, there's nothing there that screams out at you, is there? I mean, you think... You know, I think Mr. Policeman in, in the same stable and the same colours is, is going to improve for the step up to uh, step up in trip. Well, I'm assuming that's definitely going to happen. But yeah, you go that you go down that list and you just think, is it going to turn up against Gaelic Warrior? And then you ask yourself the question, as you've just done, is Gaelic Warrior going to turn up? Because you know we know it's got the two mile to three mile form. It's it's a bit of a mess of a race, this. And Kevin mentioned uh, the, the horse I was going to refer to um, here is Oroco because it was Oroco was like he got a few people excited back in November. All the all the six row uh, six month road to Cheltenham uh, people were putting him up in November, I think, uh, for this race, uh, and he got ruled out soon after with a foot injury. Now <laughs> there's positives. There's he's, he's back in training now. And, you know, he, he did look very good at Warwick and the form is not without substance. I know the second in that race has come out and been pulled up twice since, but the third has come out and run a decent third in the um, in the Corto star. So Oroco will be very interesting. Obviously, um, he's got the he's got the win at Cheltenham last year. He went to Aintree over three miles. So, again, is he going to is he going to be is he going to go up to three miles to avoid Marie Nashner on the Arkle and Gaelic Borough in the two mile four. It'd be interesting to see what they would do with Oroco. Um, he's the only real lurker there. And like I said, I touched upon Mr. Policeman because, you know, that has that horse has to go up in trip. And obviously they think the world a bit, but he hasn't really shown it over two miles so far. And that run behind Colixios last time suggests the Turners or the Browns is going to be on the agenda there. But um, yeah, it's a mess of a race. A mess of a race, which I feel like is a phrase we have bounced around a little bit so far in three weeks of footsteps to the festival. But all will become clearer and nearer the time, won't it, Brendan? Who do you, if you were to put up one now for the Turners, how are you viewing it? Have you found a runner? Um, well, you, 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 you're not going to like it. But I mean, I just think Gaelic Warrior will rinse these I, I think he'd be able to give give away the ground jumping to the right um it, it wasn't something i factored in and it really really should, it should have went when, when kevin mentioned because i thought he might drop back for the arkle um but it the the old course new course thing is huge is huge with him i mean he already got beaten off 129 the great thoughts and prayers with his backers that day oh. uh, the greatest hand <laughs> Greatest handicap certainly of all time, but I mean, even in 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 a Ballymore on the old course, which we know is notoriously tight, he's still only beaten six and a half lengths by Impera Pass. And they rode him, they rode him all wrong that day as well, Brent. They dropped him in. I, I it was, I thought that was bizarre myself, but there we go. Yeah, well, I, I could sort of see it at the same time. They probably thought if he got a bit of cover, he might be his jumping might be less pronounced out to the right. But yeah, um, it did it didn't seem to suit him. But he still ran a perfectly good race. And as the lads, I mean, he's just he for, for whatever about Ilay Francais. Ilay Francais is a spectacular jumper, but kind of in a show jumping sense in that he, he covers them and makes such a beautiful shape over them. But I'd love to know if someone could actually measure how long it is in terms of. Uh, well, but point 
whatever of a second for Gaelic Warriors taking off and landing. He's so quick from one side of a fence to the other. He just jumps like a cat. I think he managed to get away with jumping out to the right. I mean, what's he going to have to be? Back to file probably won't be there. Relay Francais probably won't be there. Found a 50 could be in the grandstand. Iroko, fair, fair enough. But I mean, it's not an ideal prep. I, um, I, I, I think I should have factored in the fact that this is run on the new course, that he run here and he'll win. Okay, I mean, pretty simple then. Which very quietly, I mean, there is, you know, one firm are going non one and no bet, and they're going eight to 11 Gaelic Warrior. Now, if there is a bet, that's probably it. Okay. Uh, let's roll on to the Ryanair then. Uh, because we saw the market leader here at the weekend in Alaho. Alaho won the horse and jockey chase um, and is now five to two at the top of the Ryanair betting to go back and win that race again. Um, four to one next best is Bam Bridge. Envoy Allen in there at sixes. Didn't get to see him at the weekend. Stage star at sevens. Nine to one John Bond and appreciate it. Disappointed at 10 to one. This, I'm going to start with you, Kev, is becoming one of the more interesting races at this early stage, at early anti post stage, I think it's fair to say. Yeah, definitely. And sure, Alaho like, is just a really interesting horse at the top of the market because uh, it, it's been interesting, actually, because there, there, a big question mark about him coming back this season, missed all of last season with his. Um, with his um, spleen problem. And he made his comeback at Clonmel, won by a long way, and the immediate reaction of Manny was, oh, look, he's back. Brilliant, wasn't he? Fantastic. And then the time lads got stuck in and said, well, actually, the time, like, this will be passed for funerals in that race. And um, and, and there was cold water duly poured. He gets beat at Kempton, um, raising questions of, oh, God, maybe he isn't quite the horse he is. And now he's come back at Turles and he's won well. And uh, I saw plenty of cries of, he's back, he's back. Um, and I went look. I went looking this morning. Um, the 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 much, um, the 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 section of times that that have been rolled out finally. Um, about 125 years after they were promised in Ireland, um, have arrived, but they're not. They haven't arrived on the the website for this race just yet. So I, I did a bit of video comparison for the crack myself. Um, putting it upside the um the mares. The Mayor's Novices Chase that we saw on the same card over the same course and distance, you would expect um, Alaho, all things being equal in similarly run races, to be um, a nice chunk faster than those um, admirable, but ultimately, um, you know, 30 pounds lesser performers. And um, I tell you that the old clock wouldn't give you loads of encouragement about Alaho now. Um, he was he was faster through the the... The, the first part of the first circuit, um, the, the mares ended up being about a second faster past the winning post first time. And um, by the time we got to the finish line, uh, the mares were about four and a half seconds faster than Alaho was. Um, and now the winner in the mares race carried, I think, 10 pounds less. Um, but even when you account for that, um, it wasn't the time performance that... Um, that would light you up, and look, that's the and look. I think it's important to look at these things with these, as was the case of Clamell with um with these very small field races on tough ground because it's often dangerous to to read them literally, and you need a, a, an extra layer of evidence. And I don't think the clock would give you loads of encouragement for what Alaho did here. He ultimately won well. You could take the view that well, he was geared down and he didn't need to run much faster than he did, um, but. There won't be a big time figure next to this um, at all. 
And um, I dare say those that, that have regard for that brand of analysis will still have a, a fair old question mark next to the question of how much ability does he retain relative to his prime? Um, because when he goes to the Ryanair, he won't need to be at his very best, but um, he won't want to be, you know, more than, I don't know, 10 pounds below, 12 pounds below it, um, because it's not a it's not a bad old racing behind him. No, absolutely not. And you've summarised the profile of Alaho beautifully there without actually giving us a tip for the Ryanair, Kev. Uh, I'm, well, you, you can probably guess my position. Like, if we get... I, if I, we can, get good... I can guess it, but I just need you to say it, please. Yeah, well, look, if we get good to soft ground and Banbridge turns up, um, you'd like to think he'll, he'll have a super chance. Um, as mentioned last week, you know, very happy with the run at Kempton, but we, he is just a bit, a bit of a hostage to the ground. Yeah. Um, so it's again, it's difficult to be bullish at, at this stage. Um, but yeah, that, that's that's kind of where I am in the race, and I don't, I don't personally, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be running afraid of Alaho. And I think once this race gets hammered down, um, there'll be plenty of others that that won't be running there afraid from him. Um, great to see him back winning, but you know, and, and look, you you also have to say him getting back left handed would be a help to him as well. I think there, there's no doubt he's he's a bit better going left handed. Um, that's always been the case for all the, the amount of winning he's done right-handed. He, he does show a tendency to shift left. So um, you can see him being better again and that Willie will have all the screws tightened, etc. But I don't think he has that air of invincibility that he very much had for, for a couple of seasons there when he was smashing up the field in the Reiner. No, I, I'm very much with you on that theory. Brendan, are you in agreement? I mean, beating Statler, who wants literally a mile and more further, and then a couple of horses in behind who didn't perform on, didn't fire on the day, time that, like, tie that in with what Kevin's saying about Alaho's time from the weekend. And all in all, I'm looking to take him on. I mean, I'm probably with Bambridge as well, but surely there's value elsewhere away from Alaho. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say Alaho's a shocking price now or anything because when you when you look at the opposition and you do see a situation where a horse can probably run to within ten pounds of his best, but I mean that that race at the weekend, appreciate it, just hasn't kicked on from what was a very encouraging comeback in, in the John Dirk and French Dynamite went out on strike not for the first time without a, a, de- a desperate horse uh, so uh, oh, the, fr- the French love striking they really do <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah Alaho back, back right handed but of course they yeah, was running right handed the weekend should I say back left handed would be a help to him but getting taken on by stage star won't be a help to mm. him so that's, that's, that's another consideration I too would lean towards Banbridge only an eight year old proven best of performer likely to get his ground they're talking about good to soft ground for the trials meeting i mean it's an unbelievable place to drain so i i think he'd be very unlucky not to get his ground i really rate running down pick dory at his beloved kempton albeit favored by the conditions of the race and then you're sort of scratching around Fedor. maybe you could make a case for him he's run well uh, in a couple of uh, behind a couple of very talented, uh, well, the two best two milers in the country in, in in Ireland on his two runs this year. If he if he saw out this trip, he'd have a squeak. But I, I would I too would be with Bambridge. Okay, votes for Bambridge. TC throw someone else into the mix taking on Alaho. Come on. Yeah, the the more I look at this race, I can't believe Paul Nichols won't have a change of heart with Pictori. Um, He's on record as saying he's going for the bet for Ascot Chase, then Aintree and missing Cheltenham. But just look at this race. I mean, Alaho, as we've said, not totally 
and utterly convincing, is he? Uh, Bambridge, ground dependent. You don't want to be. You don't want to be backing ground dependent horses anti post. However likely you are you to get you to get there, you got Stage Star, the third favourite, coming off a back of a very poor one last time. You got Envoy Land. What well, did he miss the race on Sunday? Could you was coughing? Yeah, that's not ideal. I mean, this race is just just he's just ripe for horse to, to you know to lay down a marker, and there's no better than Pictori. I mean, he he's probably run a career best when just beaten by Banbridge, giving him three pounds there, and that's the second favourite for the race. Uh, and if he'd have jumped the last, he might have give give Banbridge yeah. more to think about. But you know, he comes at, even on the bare form, he comes out a better horse than Banbridge. And all this stuff, you know, we don't think he's a Cheltenham horse. He's one run to Cheltenham, and that was in the 2019 Triumph Hurdle. Uh, talk about left-handed, won a Betfair Hurdle, left-handed, won an entry left-handed, um, handles good and soft ground. I just can't believe they're not going for the Ryanair with Pictori. Now, I know we we say, and I'm just, I'm the cheerleader for this, and, you know, that Cheltenham isn't the be-all and end-all, and you're picking up 100 grand for winging at Ascot, and you're probably picking up the same again for entry, and you you're swerving a, a more competitive race in between. But uh, you know, if, if, if Paul said Pictor, he's going for this race, I mean, he'll be 10 to 1 maximum, probably be single figures. So that was one. And the other one that I think is a, probably a bet at the current prices is Phil Dor at 25s. Um, as, as Brendan said, second to Dino Blue, obviously giving that one the, the £7 sex allowance. Second to a certain El Fabiolo, uh, and you, the vibes are that he's going to step up in trip. Now, the twice he has run over this kind of trip, two mile four and two mile five, he's blown out. But you know they're not going to. There's no point running him in in the two mile race against El Fabiolo stroke John Bond. Um, yeah, so I thought if I thought if there is a bet, obviously you can't back Pictori until Nichols comes out and sees sense. You oh. can't. Uh, Phil Dora 25s is probably a decent uh, 25 to 1 each way with a sports book. That's the best price out there. And I just think of the two runs this season, very, very encouraging. But I'd like to, well, and he, I'm assuming they're going to go for the DRF. And, uh, you know, he, he's the he's one potential big shortener, Phil Dora. Phil Dora. All right, then. I think it's a million that uh, Paul Nichols would change his plans with Pick Dory. You know how he is. He's just, he'll have a, an idea in his head and he'll stick to it and he'll probably deliver on at least one count, if not both. Um, that would be my view on that. Let's move on to the stayers, Kev. Again, I find this one of the more interesting anti-post betting races. Uh, we love the stayers because, of course, you get horses with various different profiles coming in here. Some that find themselves in this category through default, really, or through disappointing elsewhere. But at the moment, the market looks like this. Uh, Tupu, your Hatton's Grace winner, straight to Cheltenham, is your four to one favourite. Obviously, only seen him uh, once this year. Then you've got Thalem in there, four to one as well. The French horse who I think is going to have a flat run isn't he in between now and Cheltenham five to one Irish point and eight to one Crambo Christmas um staying hurdle winners on either side of the Irish Sea those are your top few in the market all those four horses have very different profiles but the question is who is actually going to win the stayers Kev yeah, look, in, in, a, in a sea of uncertainty that is the Cheltenham Festival, uh, many of the grade ones, uh, we, we do have a little bit more certainty here in terms of what we know has been aimed here. And 
what the rough shape of things is going to be. And um, but we do have, have a giant um Joker card um knocking around the front end there in Thaleem, who you know is is a little bit more difficult to weigh up. We we don't have a lot of um we don't have a lot of form that that has been tested on these waters. Um, but what he's doing in France, you know, looks very good. He looks to be up a level or even two from from Gold Tweet, who who briefly did some damage over here when he knocked up in this division. Um, so you, like, like you have to respect him. Um, you have to respect him, and, and I'm all for it. Like I, I really, um, I, I do think that that the these top French horses coming over, you love to see more of it. Um, I think you know from a, from a betting point of view, it adds in a layer of uncertainty, but it's just interesting. You know, and I have a suspicion for a long time that these top French horses that don't get sold um, out of the country and end up getting to the top of their domestic scene, like if they came after Cheltenham properly, like they would be a proper factor. And uh, this will be a great test of that. Um, look, he seems to have, when you look at his form, he was he seems to have come up a level in the last two seasons and has been um, and has been very good. I saw his most recent run. He was very impressive, albeit, you know, very much expected to do that. Um, and look, and look, you have to respect him. You really have to respect him. Um, and look, in terms of the domestic ones, um, Tiapu, you know, I still think on another day he could have won that stairs hurdle last year. Um, it just didn't go right from David Russell. What wasn't at his best at the time. Mm. And the 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 one thing you do worry about, man. I know Gordon has said many times, look, he'd be fine on better ground, etc. Um, you'd just be happier with him on softer ground. I think he seems particularly effective on that. Um, I, I wasn't expecting him to be able to beat him Perry a pass over two and a half on his return. He duly did it. Um, and look, that, that represents, you know, he's going to go there fresh, you know, straight to hashtag straight to Cheltenham. You don't really love it, but, um, when he gets there, he, he's going to have a big chance, isn't he? And if, if rain arrives, um, you'd have to be really respectful. Look, of course, rain would, would suit the French horse as well, but Tiapu, he's only seven, you know, and I, I just, I, I don't think we've seen the very, very best of him just yet. And um, the, the stairs hurdle, based on what we saw, you know, I think that stamina test does very much suit him. And um, in, in slightly different circumstances, he's capable of bringing his form up another notch again. Okay, but essentially a vote for the French horse then from Kevin. Um, no, no, I'd say, I'd say it's Tiapu. I'm very okay, respectful okay. Of, the, of the French horse. But um, look, I, we know more about Tiapu. And I think that he he sets a bar there now based on his run the last year. You know, if you if you believe like I do that he's better than that, you know, I think that sets a nice old bar there. Okay, a vote for Tiupu then from Kevin, and you know, healthy price at four to one. TC, you next for the stairs. Where does the value lie in behind? I've just realised I'm going to have to have my first Cheltenham bet after tipping up Phil Dore at 25s now. So, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to break <laughs> I, my I'm Cheltenham gonna, 2020. I'm just going to point it out, TC. You're not the first shrewd person in racing called Tony to tip up Phil Dore for the Ryanair as a very lively outsider. Really? Ah, the Cavan man. <laughs> He's ahead of um, the curve, TC. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'll, I'll do some digging around just see why he hasn't been out since December. But like I said, I, I'm assuming he's going for something at the DRF. But yeah, I, I, like I said, I'll uh, I'll have to break my Cheltenham 2024 virginity there. So uh, that's uh, that's it. Uh, I, for the similar reasons, I couldn't touch Banbridge uh, for the Ryanair. I couldn't touch Tiapu. Um, a current price for the stayers because, like I said, 
he's soft and heavy form is is ten pounds ahead of any anything on good to soft or or better. So that would be a major stumbling block for anybody. Well, for, it would be for me if I was thinking about backing him there. The French horse we don't know. Uh, Irish Point. I'm because of the slowly run race last time when he went over an extended two mile seven. I wouldn't say that's conclusive proof that he's going to relish three miles at Cheltenham. He could well do because he obviously looked he looked visually brilliant there. But like I said, he wasn't a stamina test. Um, have we heard anything about Blazing Carl? Because obviously Blazing Carl went off nine to two for this race last year, and we haven't seen him since. Any? Any? No, no haven't heard anything there. You wouldn't expect updates. Yeah. 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 So I were, didn't, wasn't every update we got about him last last season prior to the stairs that he was a doubtful runner and he wasn't going to go and yeah. he wasn't going to go and he turns up and he's, you know, I can't recall how the market treated him on the day, but he got there and despite all the apparent adversity that he was, he was meeting with along the way. <laughs> yeah, right, like, it's, um, obviously, I'm not sold on Crambo. I know he's won a he was 142 rated when he won the grade one long walk last time so i'm not sold on that so gerhard i would probably yes looks to be double i think it's 12s of the sports book i think he's about two or three points bigger on the exchange win only he'd be the one i'd be leaning towards but if imperio passi comes here even though i haven't got him marked down as a free miler he'd probably be favorite wouldn't he um but so, so Ger, if you like I said, I I won't be I wouldn't countenance a bet in it. But Sagar hard at double figures would be the way I would lean. Yeah, yeah. If, if you want one at a massive price, like Home by Lee has been aimed for it. Like I'd be very forgiving of his two runs this year. He had to make the running twice. He he can't make the running, and um, he ran very well in the race last year. And he'll be like, look, in fairness, he'll probably be a similar price now. Um, closer to the time as he is now, but he's like thirty three forties. If, if at you least want he's to. a runner. Yeah, he's that's very much his target, and he's you know he goes well fresh. So who called um, him a hound last time he ran? Was it Vanessa? Actually, oh, in, 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 in fairness, uh, despite I'll be asked, my, my, I'll be asked to apologise again. No, no, despite despite my my instinctive um, my instinctive objections, uh, it might have been the worst shout of all time because he, he is he is a bit funny. <laughs> yeah. You knew the angle I was getting at, um, Brendan. Brendan, I'm cheering on the twelve to one poke about Sir Gerhard because I just think, as uh, TC has kind of alluded to in terms of the uncertainty and ground into Upu, the transfer of the form of the French horse. You know, I'm not a Crambo fan. You get down to a horse like Sir Gerhard, who it you know is a real class act as a racehorse, has a huge engine, and it wouldn't mm. be the biggest surprise in a race like this to see him hit the back of the net. Oh. Yeah, I certainly, I, I, I certainly wouldn't put you off. I'm, I'm, I'm delighted to hear yourself and Kevin uh, embracing the chaos of the stairs hurdle because you start a discussion on it. And when t- Tony brings in a potential Charles Burns press officer, who'd be like your man who used to work for Saddam Hussein during the Gulf <laughs> War. What a shout that is. So, I, so I'm just loving, loving the chaos of this race. I couldn't put anyone off a bet. I think Irish Point should be favoured. It might be confirmation bias because I always thought he wanted a trip. And as Tony says, he didn't necessarily prove his stamina in a funny race in Leopard's Town. But we know he is very good novice form behind Marie. Nacional, giving way to Magical Zoe at the start of the season over an inadequate trip was a serious performance, one of the Spring Festival last year, just a bonny horse, good jumper, races efficiently and he's my bet for the race. 
And just to put it out there, the only way I'd entertain Sir Gerhard for this race is if he could hitch a lift in the in the horse ambulance for the first mile. Might give him a chance to get in the trip. Wow, <laughs> I can't have him as a stayer. I never could. Class, class acts can stay trips. I'm just out there. He's not. He's not that classy. Opinions. That's what we love on Footsteps to the Festival. And of course, the joy of this is that it's all recorded. And the week after the <laughs> festival, nothing else to do. You can just go back and listen to this and laugh, laugh until your heart is content at our suggestions. When Constitution Hills ruled out for the season, Irish, point, Irish Point's going to go for the champion hurdle and break Brendan's heart. Jesus. Embrace uh, the chaos, Tony. I love it. I love it. I love the chaos. I'm here, uh, I'm here for the chaos of the stairs hurdle. Yeah. Right. In fairness, by, by the time we get to March, Nicky, Nicky might have decided that Cheltenham represents an away game and he might leave Constitution Hill at home. <laughs> oh, you were 101 to mention for Nicky and his away game. Right, onwards we go. We've got news to discuss. PC, the rescheduled Clarence House going to Cheltenham on Saturday. So joins the Cotswold Chase card, the International Hurdle card. Uh, rescheduled obviously from Ascot on the Saturday just gone due to the frost shame that we didn't get to see the El Fabiolo John Bond clash but instead we will get to see it run at Ascot as uh, at Cheltenham sorry rescheduled as we've seen in the past with this race why is there so much uproar about whether it should have been rescheduled or not I'm delighted it's rescheduled why wouldn't it be <laughs> because <laughs> as is well basically we've got the runners through now there's a whole why because well it was originally for 175 grand it's now going to be run for 105 grand and that's made up as far as i'm aware there's no there's no new sponsor even though unibet and paddy power sponsoring that card so it's possible that a sponsor could have been found but at the moment it's funded by the bha the jockey club and the levy board have checked in uh, chipped in 45 grand i would suggest they're probably not going to get their money back here, are they? Because they've got six runners, six entries even. Editor Jushi, Elixir and Nuts, Fugitive, Funnable Similar, John Bond, Noom Nebra. That's kind of probably going to be a four-runner race. John Bond's going to be freeze on at a push. Uh, nobody's going to be betting on the race. John Bond's going to win. We're going to be none the wiser. It's not the kind of race that should have been rescheduled, in my opinion, given that the six entries was highly, highly predictable. Yeah, and I, we have I, the we have I, the games we have the game spirit chase at Newbury in a couple of weeks as well, which will cater to the exact same horses. Would that be the best yes. game spirit chase? That, yeah, I believe you're right, Tony. Another <laughs> another gold star to Tony. So Kevin Blake's just the only one missing the gold star on this pod thus far. Um, <laughs> I get to divvy them out, by the way. Yeah, uh, come on. Do you think it's a waste of time? Then I think a those. I think those six could run for starters. Uh, look, at if, if if there was a bit of common sense in the equation, which I know it isn't always a question of common sense. Um, as soon as El Fabiolo, it was clear he wasn't going to come over. Just sack it off, lads. Just sack it. We have too many of these races anyway. Um, running as a handicap if you want to be really mischievous. But um, no, like I think that with the game spare chase coming, the best fair game spare chase coming up in a couple of weeks, um, do you really need to reschedule it? You know, the, you know, the, it's it, money isn't exactly plentiful there. They're lashing money into this for a race course gallop for John Bon, essentially. Um, not, not entertaining won't generate betting turnover. 
you know, be a pain in Nicky Henderson's arse if they didn't reschedule it. But you know, such is life. You know, re- you know, abandonments are tough on a lot of people, um, and they don't get the benefit of rescheduling. Yeah, to be fair to Willie Mullins, at least he filled his trousers earlier than. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to rename the double green, the double brown, because they filled, <laughs> they filled their pantaloons a bit, bit early here, haven't they? Well, haven't you stumbled upon the snag, which are which are case by case basis, though? That I mean, it could have been a situation where El Fabiolo looked like he was out on the Tuesday. Where of the race that original was originally abandoned, and then back in on the Thursday. So you could get a situation where a trainer sort of him and and on, and then what do you do? Do you put the race on, or do you not put the race on? I would and, always uh, lean towards putting the race on. I would always lean towards putting the race on, and also I just don't think you can just depend on whether one horse is going to come over or not, or if a trainer is going to run or not. Like you have to make the decision at all as a wider picture. Yeah, but it's just um, like I, I'd only take it within the context of. The greater race program book is really bloated. Okay, you know, yeah. as as is illustrated by this, and not only did they have the game spare chase, they also did, did. Now, I wouldn't be suggesting any British trainer <laughs> should, should should send a horse on the perilous trip across the Irish Sea for an away game. But the, the Dublin way. Chase is there, the Dublin Racing Festival as well. So okay. we're now going to have three options in a in a in a two in essentially a two horse division. You know, in the next in the next coming weeks, and we wonder why we've got loads of small fields and long odds and favourites and what and are supposed a, to be uh, showcase races. Uh, Vanessa, you're not a team player because if this wasn't rescheduled, John Bond would turn up. Sky Sports Racing's Newbury meeting <laughs> for the for the best fair games, fair and chase. Come yes. on, Ryan. <laughs> you didn't think about that. That's a double whammy of my employees. For God's sake, red card for Royal TC. You should be teeing this stuff up for me. Uh, and we've just got the prices through from the sports book. Two to nine for your money, John Bond. Six edited to Jeet. Fourteen's fugitive. Sixteen's elixir to nuts. 20s Funnable Sibylla and 25 New Nebra. Beautiful, nice and competitive. Just what we want for a rearranged race. A rearranged I'd watch it if I'd watch it if it was a handicap. That'd be fun. Yeah, right. Yeah, you can stop banging that drum. Um, <laughs> I'm, I'm right though, and everyone knows I'm right. People are latching on. People are latching on. Brenda, uh, there has been some news out of the IHRB this week. A uh, couple of points. The first one being that Patrick <clears throat> Mullins has not been punished for that Limerick incident over. Christmas with his cousin Danny and mm. then the post-race interview where he mentioned what he'd said to Danny beforehand. Uh, he's been into the IHRB and had a discussion with them. He's apologised for his behaviour and he has got out unscathed without a punishment. Is I think that's probably what we were all expecting, weren't we? No, no, I was expecting him to, to, to get a ban of some, of some description just because if I was on that disciplinary panel, I'd be different. What are you doing? Why would you do that to us? What are we even doing here talking about this? Don't say that. You're yeah. a bright joke for it. But, but anyway, they did. They didn't. Uh, quite magnanimous of them. I I, I thought that he, he he should have got something. But it, I mean, it's grand. No, no 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 big deal. There was no need to throw the book at him. Uh, so we move on. And the person who won't be moving on quite as swiftly. Tom and O'Mara, who I must admit I'd never even heard of, he's a Tipperary-based trainer, has mm. been given a €10,000 fine and a suspended three-year sentence 
um, suspending his license, sorry, for verbally and physically abusing a clerk of the course, Paul Maloney, at Cork. And he also has to pay 5,000 euros in costs, Brendan. I mean, mm. I the, when there's not that, I haven't read that many details, just the article that came out in regards to these IHRB um, punishments. And I mean, sounded like, Tommen's behaviour was completely out of control. And, I mean, obviously that's why he's been slapped with a massive fine, but rightly so, given what was said. It's very hard to argue. And given what was done, I, I have a, a desperate loathing of confrontation, be, 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 be it verbal or physical, but particularly physical. This face, Vanessa, obviously not the face. Uh, so uh, it, it, it would really... Uh, put the heebie-jeebies up me if someone if someone did that to me and it's completely unacceptable behavior and that seems like i mean you could you could make a case that they they, they could have taken his license off him for a period uh, but they've decided to go with a fine and in fairness it is a heavy fine yeah, yeah. I mean, they did actually suspend his license for three yeah. years but they suspended it for three years if they suspended the suspension if you know what i mean okay. so yeah. if there's a, if there's a, any any sort of related um, misdemeanor in those three years that that punishment could kick in um, but yeah like you say a, a bad bad old case now God, I wonder I wonder how it would have been dealt with if it happened in the UK and and, and when you read down through the transcript I think Paul Maloney who, who of course is the, the former jockey um, that 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 you know was was um, I suppose best known for finishing place in the Grand National about 20 times um, but a fine jockey and in fairness when you read through the transcript it was clear that he wasn't looking for 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 heads to roll or anything like that. He just wanted an apology and to draw a line under the thing and move on. And I'd say that that very much helped Tolman's um, case because uh, if Paul Maloney had been pushing for um, heavier punishment, I'd say it could well have um, it could have well have went that way. Yeah, um, a little bit of a shocking case that when I read it, I was like, <clears throat> bloody hell, that's something you don't hear about that often on a race course. Thank God. Uh, TC, what about the Racing Post report on delayed off times here in the UK? Two thirds of races don't go off on time over a minute late has an effect, obviously, on betting, on turnover, affects the racing channels. What was the bottom line of this Racing Post report? Yeah, this was a this was a really good piece by Andrew Dietz in, in the Racing Post. Um just got the figures in front of you. Some of these figures are just like mind blowing. Like you said, this is not just one second late off they're giving them a minute's grace uh when they were compiling these figures so 56.8 percent uh were more than 60 60 seconds late off in the in the uk um uh, sorry in uk and ireland and that went up to 61.4 percent when just the uk and it's got even worse on the on the on the flat i mean it, it goes up to about 71 percent uh late more than a minute late off on the flat um the island come out a lot better because it was 71 percent um in the uk but only i think it's about just over 40 percent in ireland as well but absolutely shocking figures as you said there um you know getting races off on time in a crowded fixture list even in premiumization territory it is crucial um you just got you know you, you need the betting flow there you know you speak to any betting operator they just don't want races clashing. They don't want split screens. They want people to get their money and then move on to the next race. I mean, obviously, in all of this, responsible gambling has got to come into play. But like I said, punters want to flow. And in all of this as well, I mean, a lot of... Um, if, for example, a lot of 
betting operators, Betfair are obviously are different because they monitor it on a on a second by second basis when they suspend the exchange. Some book, some are betting operators. If as soon as if the one forty is late off by two or three minutes, some operators you know stop betting on the one forty at one forty because of their you know fees and, and things like that. So uh, it's it's a massive issue. Uh, and it was a massive eye opener. Some of the some of the tracks, Ascot and Sandown, didn't come out particularly well. Um, Banger, I don't know what's going on there. They they only had fifteen percent of their races off on time. Now, I don't know what's actually being fed into the story because obviously some tracks are asked to delay to avoid uh, clashes when when other other tracks are late off as well. So there might be something about there. But Banger only fifteen percent off on time even with that minute's grace is an absolute barry crocker mm. yeah i mean kev is there any like the solution here seems pretty simple get race courses get your races off on time like i don't know i don't know why there's quite such a big stumbling block and i spend a lot of time on track at a lot of these meetings and of course, you have to allow for the loose horse that can't be caught and all of that. I'm aware of that. I witnessed that firsthand. But fundamentally, day to day, without those one off incidents, is it that hard to get the horses? Right, can I just chip in before you come to Kev? Sorry. Have you ever been at the track? Uh, obviously, you're at the track a lot. Have you ever been at a track where like, officials start geeing people up, just say, look, come on? It's five minutes of the race time. Get your ass down to the start. Yeah. Are there any officials yeah. actually kind of like on the case? Yeah, I actually see that. Like, uh, you know, at um, at Newcastle, Eloise Quail rings the bell for jockeys to mount on and no one moves. Like everyone's still talking to their connections. Now, of course, what happens on a dark, gloomy night, I think would be my view on this, is jockeys, you know, don't come out of the weighing room loads in advance. And then they get out and obviously connections want to chat with them. There's often owners there, et cetera, et cetera. Eloise Wink rings the bell. No one moves. So then there's a second call for jockeys to mount. And then they do start getting on. But, you know, a couple of horses will take an extra lap and it all adds up, doesn't it? You know, mm. all of that is 30 seconds here, 25 seconds there, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not even getting in to the whole argument about giving these horses three or four chances to load. I mean, that's a whole nother argument, Kev. Mm. But it just feels like there's no sense of urgency and nobody's like occasionally an Eloise is trying to get people to chivy along. But ultimately, there doesn't seem to be any punishment if you are off late. And that's the issue, because if there was a punishment, they wouldn't be off late. Yeah. Uh, first thing I'd say here is fair play to, to Andrew Dietz. This is proper work. Um, real brilliant piece would would have been very difficult to put together I'd say time consuming need more of this sort of stuff fair play to him um, some very eye-opening conclusions and look at it, it should be obvious it should be something this is something something that should drive change like because it's not working um the way we're doing it right now um it's nice to see that Ireland is performing better um but look at for tracks that are really struggling they should be held to account and say why and if there's something in terms of their infrastructure that that slows them down and and you do see cases like that where horses have a long way to get from the disabled to to the saddling enclosures or, or you know place like ascot which you know the scale is just really big you know those can be factors as well but if it's just people dragging their heels you know they should be held to account there should they should be a bit more aggressive with fines um, in terms of do people get a jibby on? In fairness, like in, in my 
um, in some of my experiences in the UK, you do find that um, during the race in league. But last summer, I'm obviously there in the parade ring before all the races, act, acting as a connection as such. And in fairness, I, I can distinct, distinctly recall it, Yarmouth and Chepstow and Windsor. You know, there there was a, a chap there that if you were taking a bit too long talking to your connections, he would literally come up and say, hey, guys, you know, Bell's gone. Would you mind, please? You know, and they, they, well, there was an effort being made to hurry up the process in fairness. Um, but look at the numbers don't lie. If they're not performing, um, there, need, there needs to be some change, i.e. certain tracks might need more of a gap in between their races. Some tracks might just need to kick up the, the Yahoo to, to get them going um, because this isn't good enough. I know from um, on ITV, you know, this is, and it's mentioned in the piece, like late races just kill you because like people wouldn't appreciate how tight running orders are for, for programs like that. And when you go a minute over, you can just hear it in your ear, you know, item 26 dropped, item 27 dropped, you know, because of the delay. And if you get a significant delay, you know, the whole program is thrown into mayhem. And actually, funny enough, I'd, I'd love the, 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 the talk back to be, to be played out to the public in segments at some stages, because you don't realize the carnage that's going on there when, when stuff like this happens. Um, and, and that's but, not even taking into account as well, Kev, like on a channel like Sky, you know, the commercial breaks, breaks yeah. their long breaks, their short breaks. You have to get a certain amount of breaks in in certain segments. Like it is so detailed to run those mm. ships. And every, like I said, every 30 seconds counts. And like it's just taking the piss, basically. Yeah, look, we, we can we can do better, clearly. And uh, look, I think the BHA, like like, like what a lot of things that they're saying with the BHA, they just need to be a little bit more aggressive, a little bit more assertive and say, that's right, here's the standard. If you're not coming into it, there's going to be ramifications, and and hold them to it because we, you know we, we do need to be better like this. This is this is this is dare I say this is this is basics. This I is thought you were going to Brendan's they, line there. Lessons will be learned, but they won't. <laughs> they clearly don't want to do anything. How long has this been going on? Mm. Every time Royal Ascot is on Twitter, yeah. well, certainly my feed lights up when all jockeys wandering down to the start. The same the same thing in Newmarket. Then they get to the start, and there's this culture in British racing of lionising stalls handlers, like if they finally get one in after three minutes, it's like they've, they've scored a try in rugby or something. Just, just I was standing beside a guy in the car over the summer, an Australian guy, and he was doing his absolute nut and his horse being in the stall, waiting on a horse for two minutes to load. Now, he might have been doing a few quid at the same time, but he, all he could talk about was, if this was in Australia, Mike, the race manager would have packed that out. You know, and he <laughs> they, they, Because there are certain jurisdictions, France and America, they don't care about races going off on time, but in Australia, they do. In the Far East, they do. Punctuality is, humility, is the mm. humility of kings, and the thing you could start off with, Straight away, whatever the Chivian people allowed is if horses don't go in the stalls, but for a start, don't give them a cert to go in last. If you can't train them to mm. go in the stalls, we're not waiting on some hundred to one yash delay in every other because you can't yeah. train the horse. We're not doing that for a start. And if the horse won't go in after 30 seconds, that's it. It's gone. Very frustrating for connections, I know. But if you really want to do something about it, you have to stop this messing at the start. Yeah. yeah. And tricky, I'm, tricky, I'm, tricky loaders should be asked to load first. And if, yeah. you, if you don't go in, good luck. I, I be, couldn't agree more. The, the rest shouldn't be punished because of one um, quirky yoke that, that has a problem or hasn't been hasn't been trained correctly. And you're right, Brad, this isn't a new issue. Like I, I wrote a, a similar piece just about Ascot a few years ago. That, that was that was pretty eye opening. But evidently things haven't improved since. Right. Uh, I would you getting them into the stalls, getting them to jump off jumps all flat. It's part of training them. It's part of the race itself. 
and uh, they shouldn't just be given four minutes to get one in. It's ridiculous. Last mention, Kev, uh, is to a story I know very little about, but the ITBA had a panel-based discussion. I think it was held... Where was it? I don't even know, to be honest with you. But the Lord Bagnell. The Bagnell, that was it. Yeah, yeah. International Hunt Racing. And the story coming out of that is that there's going to be a push to kind of speed the process up of getting these horses to the track, getting them under rules quicker, enough, enough fanning around in points, points, and bumpers. We're going to be off going quicker, sooner. Yeah, re really good this and a beautifully timed um, one hour before we've recorded this. It's been uploaded to YouTube. You can go on, I'll post a link to it later. You can go on to it. ITBA um, NH Seminar 2024. Um, really good panel people from all sorts of aspects of the game. Um, it was entitled Jumping Into the Future. And look, we, we did a sim I was involved in a similar one, um, The Bones of Two Years Ago. And we're, we're talking about broadly similar things because look, if you're not tuned into um, the wider world of the, I suppose, the underlying national hunt bloodstock industry. There's been a really big discussion for the last few years um, within Ireland about, right, why are French breads outperforming Irish breads, um, which has been the case for the last few years. A lot of focus on this issue and trying to diagnose what the problem is. And it seems that, that more people are coming around to the thought that it's actually nothing to do with breeding or very little to do with breeding, that it is actually a result of early preparation and the way we do things in Ireland, we, we buy, um, we, we have a big foal trade. Um, the horses are bought as foals. They're largely lobbed out in the field for two years and then brought back in and fattened up like show cattle for the, the store horse sales in the middle of your three-year-old year and then are put into training and rush like mad to, to run on point to points in the first couple of months of their four-year-old year. And meanwhile, while these horses in Ireland are going through the, the store horse sales in the summer of their three-year-old year looking like show horses in France, a whole heap of the same horses have already run on the track over hurdles and they might not be away from their might not be far away from their chasing debut um famous case fast or slow um had won over fences before um at the back end of his three-year-old year and they've been doing that for decades and uh, my view long-standing view is, is that the french had it right all along and um and we're gradually catching up with them and the uk have led the way here they brought in these um, junior national hunt development hurdles. They ran the first ones in October 22. Um, you couldn't say they've been a roaring success, but I think if they bring in similar, which seems to be the, the, the plan here, bring in similar in Ireland, I think they do a lot better there because we just have hundreds and hundreds of horses um, being given point-to-point -point preparations that could easily slot into these races. And if the sales companies respond and, and give people an opportunity to sell store horses as two-year-olds rather than three-year-olds, I think this could potentially be uh, have a really big impact on um, on end results. I think it's the right way to go. Um, I wasn't able to attend last week. The, the the discussion, I believe, was really really good. Looking forward to listening to it and watching it this afternoon. I, if you're interested in these things, I would recommend you do the same. Great. Well, thank you for that recommendation. Um, I think that about draws to a close this week's episode of Weighed In. Um, should we give Kevin Blake a gold star for that last little bit of input? Probably a little attentive one. Um, Better late boys, than never. Get in. Boys, thank you very much as <laughs> always. Um, we will have plenty to discuss on Racing Only Better on Thursday. So listeners and viewers, stay tuned for that, please. Uh, thank you very much for tuning in as always. Oh, no. TC, I'm meant to be reading out your question, aren't I? Yeah, go on it. 
Go on then. Okay, stand by whilst I get it up. Bear with. Right. We've binned off questions, obviously, recently, but we have got a question that was on the YouTube comments, and TC is going to answer it. This is from Racing R1997. Oh, a young lad or woman. Who knows? Can someone explain to me why you'd back a horse purely on its price, despite saying another horse is the most likely winner? I see this a lot on these podcasts and just don't understand it at all. I get that there's more to be won if a horse wins at nine to one than two to one, but surely you back the horse you think has the best chance to win in a race. No, I don't see where the value is if the horse doesn't win, especially with only two places on offer in a very competitive race. So TC, last, this is just to you. Very, last yeah, very quick. It's all about short term versus long term. If you if you want to if you want to back a winner that's not necessarily a value, you you go towards the front end of the market because a lot of the time that's right. But for example, if you've got a horse you think's got a one in three chance of winning and you're only being offered even money i.e. one in two, then, you know, you, it, that's obviously the most likely winner of that particular race. But in the long term, you will lose money uh, betting that way. It's a very short-sighted, myopic way to, to bet. So basically, you want to back a, a horse at, say, 10 to 1 that you think's got, you know, a far greater chance uh, of winning, you know, maybe a one in five chance, one in six chance of winning. It's all about playing the long, long game and you're getting a bigger price than you would than you would expect. So basically, if you want to back by by that logic, if you want to back the most likely winner, you'd be playing, you'd be back in the favourite all the time. And I don't think there's I don't think that's the, the way to go long term. Right. Thank you very much for that answer. Uh, boys, thank you very much. That was weighed in. Join us again on Thursday for Racing Any Better. Have a good week, everyone. <laughs>